This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Tim Grimes, the author of The Joy of Not Thinking, a radical approach to happiness. You don't have to battle through things or constantly strive to improve yourself. We often try hard to do this, and it usually fails in working. The truth is, most of us just need to become more relaxed because we aren't that good at it. Thinking less and becoming more relaxed is surprisingly, enough to positively change things. In short, we usually don't have to do anything. We just think we do. This is very good news. Once we realize that most of our thinking doesn't mean anything, and that we don't need to be so logical and serious all the time, we begin treating things differently. We call into question some of the painful notions we hold dear, like that being a very serious person is worthwhile it usually isn't. Or that trying hard and being the hero will lead to success. It usually won't. Not thinking allows us to flip many of these popular myths on their belly and expose them for what they are. Falsehoods. Again, to be blunt, if we can just learn to be less special and relax more into what we already are instead, good stuff will happen to us. It doesn't take an elite skill to drop the useless overthinking. Instead, we can begin doing it by occasionally acting the way we did when we were four years old. Being less serious is one of the easiest ways to relieve stress. In other words, it's one of the more straightforward ways to eliminate your overthinking and a great starting point for doing so. We should understand there's nothing wrong with being serious when we feel like it. In the same way that there's nothing wrong with thinking and being rational when we feel like it. If you genuinely like being serious at any given moment, that's perfectly fine. If you're serious and feel good, there's no point in being less serious. But when you feel like crap, you're going to find it incredibly helpful to say, screw it, and drop the serious thinking as best you can. So what we're really focusing on here is overthinking and being too serious. It can seem subtle, but when we feel worried or depressed, overthinking is the likely culprit. And even if we're aware of this, we often go on autopilot when it comes to our difficult emotions. We generally lack the self-confidence needed to quickly make ourselves feel better. We assume the solution for feeling good is too far out at sea to possibly reach it, even though in reality it's already with us right here on shore. One of the main reasons for this is because of how stress is portrayed in our society. Most of us are unaware we can work with negative feelings. Fear, anger, loneliness, anxiety, etc. to minimize their lasting impact. Unfortunately, stressful feelings like these are, in many ways, the accepted cultural norm. We're essentially expected to feel crappy a lot of the time. Therefore, many of us become used to being overrun by tough emotions and assume that's just the way it is. Looking at the world around us, it seemingly confirms why we constantly have these overwhelming feelings. We, in turn, communicate to each other about how bad we feel, directly or indirectly commiserating about how tough life is. It seems very, very hard. Yes, we're depressed and scared. Why wouldn't we be? It seems crazy not to be scared, but we can test all these assumptions by examining how we think and what happens when we don't. Tim Grimes is a coach, speaker, and writer of multiple best-selling guides on alternative stress management, including The Joy of Not Thinking and Relax More, Try Less. 
His focus is on simplifying the stress reduction process for anyone who is interested. Here is the interview with Tim Grimes. In your own words, who is Tim Grimes? Uh, Tim Grimes is, is just a person like uh, everybody else. And I am somebody who is interested in reducing my stress and teaching other people how to reduce their stress if they want help reducing their stress. That sounds really good to me. Because <laughs> it seems like I need to hear this at this time as well. Before we talk about the topics in your book, or you call it guide, the joy of not thinking, a radical approach to happiness. So my first warm-up question is, what is joy to you, Tim? That's a, a great question, because I guess that joy can mean different things to different people. But for me, joy, first of all, it's the feeling of being content and fulfilled in the present moment. Uh, which, you, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there only is the present moment. And at the same time, joy, at least for me, is something beyond just feeling. It's not just a passing emotion or something like that. It's, it's a, I guess you could say like it, it's deeper than a feeling. It touches truth. It touches um, a timelessness. And you're, you feel that, you're aware of that. And it's just, it's something deep within you and without you that's just present there when you feel, you know, truly joyful. So that's, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I would say joy means to me. It's challenging to describe in a way. Yes. And it's different from happiness. You're saying in the way we understand happiness, that it's a feeling that comes from external stimulation. Could be like pleasure. I think it's very much confused with happiness too, and joy by having pleasure. So what are you saying that joy is something that is not connected to anything that is outside of us? It's within. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I should say that I like using the word happy and happiness. I don't think there's anything superficial about that. I just feel like happiness, as you touched upon, is more of an overplayed word. And we think about external satisfaction and what we have to do externally to become happy while joy we usually think of it more as something that you are and um that's what you know that's what we're focusing on is what we already are how do we access what we are in like a in the truest sense and, and become fulfilled or happy by doing that so it's be becoming happy from within as opposed from without so my next question is about the mind what is the mind and what are thoughts i don't know <laughs> and and this is what's always interested me since I was adolescent, since I was 13 or 14 years old. And I, I never figured it out. And I don't expect I'll ever figure it out. And I think that for me, at least, that's the most sane approach, the most healthy and joyful approach. Because I hear people describing what the mind is, especially in spiritual circles, all the time. And it very rarely resonates with me what they say. You know, the, the Buddhist term to say no mind, that seems more true than what the mind is. Because what, what is the mind? What is the mind not? And same with thinking and what are thoughts? I, I don't know. I'm more interested in what aren't thoughts, you know, what's not thinking. You know, the, the guide is called the joy of not thinking. And um, you have to think. There's no way not to think. So what's not thinking? Uh, that's, you know, there's no answer to that. Um, but it has something to do with joy. The next one's about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? I mean, I think that it's very similar to how we were discussing joy. Freedom is, again, in my opinion, to be found in the moment. It's not something where a person works on a certain project or even works on themselves for five or ten years and then becomes free. The truth of the matter is you're free right now. If you're, if you're able to recognize it, if you're able to recognize the joy within you, that's freedom. There's no future freedom or past freedom that you once had or you're going to have. It's right now. And when we feel joyful, we feel free. It's non-confining. Yeah. How do we remember this? <laughs> How can we 
practice not forgetting this truth? Well, I think that that's what most spiritual practices, at least if they're genuine, and by genuine I just mean going from the right place where someone's looking for the truth, someone's trying to resonate with the deepest part of themselves. I think that's how to do it. But but it's it's something that when we the entire spiritual path is just trying to remember over and over again that we already are freedom. We already are joy. And it's um, there's many practical ways to, you know, attempt to access this and to remember it. And it's different for each person. Um, there's preferences that each person has. So, you know, I, I'll talk to you about some of my preferences and some of the things that I found that have worked well for me and worked well for many people I've worked with. But at the end, it's there's there's some fundamental aspects of it. And, and the most fundamental aspect is, is this being able to access something within you that feels, you know, freeing. And um, there's no one way to remember that or to do it. And you just got to find the way that works for you. Yeah, it's true. We do have methods to access that. But in the end, we need to find our own way to access in it. Yeah. It kind of seems to me that everything is the way. Each moment is the the moment to access it. There's no any specific way to get there or to remember. But what I like a lot about non-duality teachings or the way they they approach this the subject is that they say everything is the divine expressing itself. Yeah, I mean that's it completely. That's um, that's it. You know, it's it's how can you? Why do you need to remember something that you already are? Right. Right. And um, to bring it back a level, I think that the advice that, you know, non-duality or spiritual teachers are, are sharing and that spiritual students are trying to take in, it's all it's all the same. It's just trying to practically remember, like you said. But it's it's all a paradox because there is nothing to remember ultimately. And when we when we really do feel that sense of freedom and joy we go, my goodness, there was nothing I had to do in the first place. Yeah, it feels like, it seems like it's a, we have to remember because we are using now that reference that you just said of joy, of freedom. There are no words to describe really what it feels like to know that you're connected to everything. There's nothing separate from you. But I guess we create this idea that there is a way, a feeling, or I don't know, an awareness, an awakening moment or experience. And then perhaps we are trying to go back to that. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know. I, I feel like practical application of this is important if we, if we want it, okay? Mm -hmm. So nobody has to do this stuff unless they want yeah. to. That's the first thing, right? But if we, if we are interested in this and want to feel more, you know, aware of our inherent freedom then I, I do think we want to be practical about how to do it. So there's like this philosophical discussion about how we're all, you know, always free. But when we don't feel good, when we feel like crap, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, you know, it's harder. It, I'd rather feel good than feel like crap. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so it's like, how can I feel good? And not in like a superficial way, but in a way where like I feel disconnected and I feel connected and fulfilled with, you know, right now instead of feeling like crap. Mm. The, prob the problem for a lot of us is that we see we do the other side, like in, in normal life for, for, you know, most folks, most people. It's it's like they're not thinking about that. Everything is perfect side hardly ever. Yeah, true. May maybe we're thinking about that a little bit more, but. We still are, I would say, most most non-duality, you know, people into this, you know, transcendental space or what, whatever. Like we still are coming from this perspective where we have this very limited, lackful thinking a lot of the time. And I don't know if that's just because it's programmed, socially conditioned, or if that's just biologically how we're made as humans or whatever. But the, the truth of the matter is it seems to be there, right, for a lot of us most of the time. So it's very good to recognize that everything's already free and it's also nice to feel good instead of bad at the same time at this time what do you think is the world's this relative reality need what do you think we need and do you have a vision for a new reality 
Uh, no, I don't have a vision for any new reality. Um, I, I feel like what everybody needs is, is everybody wants the same thing. And it's what we talked about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants joy. Everybody at the end of the day wants to feel comfortable and at peace being themselves just to be just being as we like to say, right. And in in non-dual circles, but we have a lot of difficulty just being, if more people were comfortable just being themselves, there would be, I think a lot less violence and a lot less strife and a lot less, you know, struggle in the world. So there's a lot of fear because of that, of not knowing how to access that space within them that is already there, right? Yes. It's very true about that. That's interesting. The more we access it, the more peaceful we feel. And you're right, there's uh, more kindness. So we are very kind to ourselves and others. That leads to my next question about love. What is love to you? I think love is, it's the, it's the same thing as joy on the deepest level. Again, these we have to use words. Yeah. And um, joy, mm. freedom, love, they're all similar. I, I will say that love has such strong connotations in most cultures, including ours, that it's tricky. It's like happiness. It's maybe even more <laughs> of a more of a volatile word than happiness because love can trans, you know, transition into I want or I don't have or I need so quickly. So I, yeah, I don't talk about love that much in my writings usually because it's, I just assume that people already understand it's, that's what joy is. That's what happiness is. Mm. Um, and you feel loving towards other people very, very naturally when you feel happy towards yourself because you don't see yourself as separate from somebody else then. So, so true. I don't feel like we have to worry about love as much as, as we think, um, sometimes. Do you somehow connect the understanding of what life is all about, of who we are, to surrender and letting go and acceptance? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, that's a really good question. I think that what's difficult is doing is surrendering and letting go. And again, I just don't think I've read a lot of different interesting mythology, you know, different methods for yeah how to, you know, let go and how to best, you know, surrender and release. And I found that, you know, some of them work for people and some of them don't work for other people. And there's not one method again that works. So again, it's just finding, finding what works for you. But I, I, I do feel like people sometimes focus a little bit too much on surrendering and letting go as, as well as, as well as, as love. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, it, it's um, it all sounds beautiful. Um, and if it works for you, then absolutely that is what to do. But if you feel like you have trouble letting go or surrendering, likewise, like if you feel like you have trouble loving, then just don't worry about it. Which goes back to surrender in a way. <laughs> That's of course, a kind yeah, of I mean, surrender. <laughs> listen, I mean, this is all the spirit, you know, if we're if we're talking about, you know, non-duality or, you know, these, these quote unquote deep spiritual topics, they're all going to come back to the same thing. We're always going to go around in circles. That is, <laughs> that is the teaching, you know, that is the, the way it works. And that's it again. And it's not for everybody, but if you're interested, you get something by going, going around in circles, you know, cause it like we, we touch each other's hearts when we do that. What makes us to uh, open up and want to know more about the depth of life and who we are? Like in your case, I know you had an experience. Talk to me about that. What made you to surrender, (laughs) using that word? Yes, yeah. I feel like, you know, I've had several very odd experiences in my life, um, and a commonality between them and the experience I talk about at the beginning of the joy of not thinking was a very intense experience I had um, on vacation and then at a beach where I just felt completely overwhelmed and um, was really intense, like an in intense mental agony and also in physical, you know, pain. And anyway, the commonality between a lot of the strange experiences I've had in my life is, is suffering. Usually the, the driver 
the, the thing that motivates us to change, whether we like it or not, or motivates us to surrender, whether we want to surrender or not, is the suffering. And sometimes when it becomes so overwhelming mentally, we give up. We, we, and, and this is not, in my opinion, usually conscious. Like we don't decide we're going to give up. Something, you know, involving the whole mind and body physiologically shifts and we give up because it's just like we, we, we can't our, – our, the reality in our mind and our brain like can't handle it anymore. And when that breakdown happens – all of a sudden there can be a flash of light as they say. Um, and, um, that is, that's when it gets real. That's, and again, that gets back to what we're talking about. Like that's when you, you, you know, you, you touch joy in those moments sometimes when you were in intense suffering and then you see that it's not real. Like you thought it was, you realize that it, it was an illusion that suffering. And there's an immense, feeling of relief and also of like kind of like knowingness at that point, um, which is just totally bizarre. And again, if you talk to most people about this, they just think you're crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when it happens to you, it's, um, you know, it's not, it's not really something it's undeniable when it happens to you when you experience it yourself. So um, suffering is usually the driver for that. And, um, and the joy of not thinking I, I, I tell, I told that story at the beginning because I, the hope with that guide is to sh- was is to show people that you do not necessarily have to suffer like that to have to to have similar experiences where you feel like you're like all of a sudden where you realize your thoughts are an illusion and that everything is okay and that you're free. But there's other easier ways to do that. And the rest of the guide is basically talking about some of of my preferred ways to do that, which, like I said, are going to be you know slightly different or vastly different for other people. Yeah, I interviewed somebody who kind of said to me something very interesting. She said, it's about giving yourself to life. We are using the word surrender, let it go and acceptance, but she used the word giving. So it's giving. And it seems to me like, like you said, suffering kind of um, propels us into this action into this yeah, um, realization that it is about giving. And I think ultimately death, physical death, that will become a fact that we have to give ourselves back right. to life in a way. <laughs> yes. I, and I, I, when you, you know, go through something, whether it's physical or emotional or mental or all, all of those combined where it's very, very overwhelming, it does feel like you're dying. In many ways, yeah. So that's the, yeah, I guess that's a direct, seems like a direct comparison when it's happening. Um, yeah, you mentioned that about death, feeling as if you were already dead. I had the experience too. It's so amazing. Coming from that perspective, oh, I'm already dead. Right. And that's when joy comes in, right? It's like this aliveness. It's the first shift. <laughs> there are many of them. So many deeper ones can happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say that for me, I, I don't, I don't know. Like when, because whenever I um, have like experiences where I touch that depth or experience that sense of no self, I guess you would say, or or a freedom, I can never compare it to anything else. I can't compare it. So in my opinion, to be honest with you, I I don't feel like I'm learning anything or, or switching or changing or like, you know, I I think I used the phrase in that, in that book in in the, in, in the joy of not thinking, you know, the sun is blinding. Like it's, you know, it's very, very bright and it blinds you. There's nothing, um, you know, there's that Buddhist saying, nothing to gain, nothing to lose. It's like that. And, and, uh, you give yourself to life, but how are you supposed to not give? Like you don't have, you know, what, what, what choice? Mm. Right. There's no choice. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> you can fight against it and then suffer. That's the other choice, I guess we have. Right. Or you, or you can also, or you can, you can not fight against it and still suffer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're right. Yeah. Being unconscious. Yeah. You know, unaware. And I have been getting some uh, inspiration or insights, I guess you can call it 
for the the physical, the body and everything that, that's in here, it seems like it's one thing. So the, it's the universe, the absolute expressing itself in different ways. But somehow we human beings, yeah, think our way through it. And we kind of detach ourselves from the experience of being. But there's more to it. It seems to me like the body, it's not really it. Consciousness is communicating with the body, but it's not it. It's around the body, but it's not in the body itself. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. The the body, the body or our, our perception of the body is very misleading. Right. So also we are the receptors for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no even words. Some people call it God. Now we call consciousness, and but there's no really words for that, really. Yeah, and it, it, it's 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 very good, you know, to go, to get back to what you said or asked earlier about how do you remind yourself, and mm. you know, what we're talking about right now is just reminding ourselves that we are not who we think we are. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, this is a way to remind yourself, just to be again, you know, to be aware or to notice that you're not actually your body like you think you are. You're not actually your thoughts or feelings like you like you believe you are. There's something else going on. And the person that you think you are is not you. Um, and and there is no you. And yeah, it does stop conversation. And that's that's wonderful. You know, that's good. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's great. It is amazing that we can actually have a conversation about it. You just said that's the reminder. Here, what we're doing is reminding ourselves. It is. Yeah, exactly. It's trying just to get back beyond, to get beyond the words, you know, trying to get back to something that's more natural or feels like it's more of an inherent part of us. Like, again, we can communicate somehow, we can communicate heart to heart without speaking in words that make sense that in the way that they're supposed to make sense. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. It is, isn't it? It's like the most amazing dream that we can ever have. And what's also interesting is that it also, in many ways, I feel like is more natural, as I said, like, it seems like a dream, but also seems more natural. It's like, you know, it feels like we should be communicating this way. And maybe other animals and other species are communicating this way. Like, I I just notice when I'm really feeling good and in a flow, it's just like, there's nothing like overly rational about what's going on. Or when I'm communicating with people and it's and everything feels good it just kind of flows along and it's not like oh we're planning on doing this and then that will happen that will happen it just you know it just happens so it is the state of life being life right yes uh do you ever use the word god yeah i, I use the word god a lot i you know western culture you know judeo-christian you know that's that's my heritage you know I, i'm you know, I was born in, in New England, in the United States. So I was raised agnostically, basically, but and became interested in Eastern religions. But I think my culturally, even though I was raised an, an agnostic, basically, uh, cu- culturally, God is what it's all about. And, you know, whenever you don't have to go to church to, to, to feel the presence culturally of God. So I use the term God all the time. I mean, I'd, I'd rather use that term than ultimate reality or consciousness <laughs> or, you know, whatever. I, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, it, it's the right. same thing, but I feel very comfortable with that term. I feel very comfortable, you know, when I see the term in, you know, old scripture and the Bible and stuff like that, you know, God, that makes sense to me. It, it totally aligns with what we're discussing. There's not like a right. an uncomfortableness or something there, you know. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? That's a good question. And I think that it just, I, I do in the sense that religion is, generally speaking, tends to be organized and you can't organize spirituality. In in the sense in the sense that it gets it gets very uh, you you get away from God and into people again really quickly when you start organizing stuff spiritually and that's religion a lot of the time unfortunately in my experiences not always but um, I can't ascribe I, I don't wouldn't consider myself to be one religion and I never have and I never would because I just feel like that is a total cultural thing and has nothing to do with 
what it's actually about, which is about, it's about God. It's about joy. It's about this deeper thing. And it doesn't matter what religion you are, you know, to do that. Yeah, I'm wondering why so many people choose to believe in a God outside of themselves. I think that some of it, I, I mean, I don't have a good answer to this question at all, but I would say my, my opinion, at least part of it, is that it, they do they do know that there's something there, that there's some type of deeper truth, and religion is their only access to it, and they feel comfortable being in a setting with other people, with their friends or peers, you know, trying to touch that in some way. But it's better just to try to go right to the source, you know? Like, and that, that's like when you get to the stuff that we're talking about just in terms of like teaching, like Zen teaching or Zen teachings or non-dual teachings. Um, I mean, that's like the real bread and butter right there. You know what I mean? You're, 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 you're skipping the, the middleman, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I guess most people are not ready to for that shift because it takes experience. It's not just, um. An understanding. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 like a commitment in a way. Yeah, it's like a real commitment, not like a. It's a commitment not to something outside yourself, like you were saying. Like it, it's not a commitment to your church. It's a it's a commitment to yourself, um, and that's scarier for a lot of us. So let's talk about your work. I guess my first question about writing: How did you become a writer? Um, like most things, by mistake. Um, <laughs> But I always um, was interested in, I, I always liked to write. Um, I remember being even like in middle school and um, working with friends on like plays and stuff like that. And um, I, so I just always was, I, I, I wrote, you know, like poetry and a lot of artsy type stuff, like, you know, in my teenage years. And then I just kept on writing as a pastime basically um, for quite a while in my twenties. And then I found in my, you know, in my thirties, all of a sudden I was writing about stuff that really interested me, um, which is, you know, spiritual stuff and stress management stuff. And, um, but yeah, there's not one, you know, it just kind of happened naturally is what it comes down to, I guess. I guess my next question is about what chains did you notice within yourself during the process of writing the joy of not thinking? That was in, that was an interesting guide um, because I've you know I've written and edited several similarly themed guides. Um, basically, the stuff we're talking about is the subject of a lot of the stuff that I write and edit. The joy not thinking was interesting in that I had just had a child um, when I started writing that book, or right around that time, and so just being a father for the first time and finding the time to write was interesting and I don't know, maybe it gave me a little bit of a different appreciation or perspective of the material than I had before. And it took me a lot longer to write that guy. Cause that's a very short guy. It's only about 60 pages or so. Um, it took me a lot longer to write that and edit it. Um, than a lot of the previous stuff I had written over the, the few years before that. Um, so I think I learned a little bit more about being, I was a little bit more severe editing it and maybe a little bit more disciplined than I ever had been. And that might've been a reflection of being a new parent and having to be more disciplined with my, um, with my time and with myself, I guess. Right. Right. Was that the answer you were expecting? <laughs> Cause I feel like, yeah, I get, I get a really weird answer. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I'm not expecting any answers. Yeah. Believe that. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> so, you're using those words that triggers like giving smile, joy. But then when I look at the, the other phrase, not thinking, this is not just me. I think most people, perhaps they would think, how is it possible not to think? How can you experience joy by not thinking? How would you explain that to somebody who? Well, not to not to plug the book, but read read the book because I explain it better there than when, what I'm about to say, probably. Um, but in my opinion, and again, it's different for each person. But generally speaking, I've noticed that almost everybody thinks way too much. And when I say thinking, I mainly mean that we think too rationally. We're too in our head. A lot of people think they're out of their head, and guess what? They're still in their head most of the time. So. 
what I've noticed in moments of, um, you know, like moments we were discussing where I feel very good, very fulfilled and very joyful. I noticed that there are very few thoughts in my head or at least rational thoughts in my head. It's very much a free flowing. I'm kind of floating along. And if I need to think something, cause I need to do something, it comes, but otherwise it's pretty empty in there. And a lot of the time when I'm stressed, it's not that empty in there. There's a lot of thoughts. So I've always been interested since I was a kid, since I was like, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old about figuring out how I could think less rationally. Cause I realized that thinking is what was screwing me up a lot of the time. And, uh, that's what, I mean, honestly, that's really what I am talking to people about most of the time. Even when I'm talking about other things like happiness or joy or relaxing or whatever, I'm really just trying to emphasize that if you think less rationally, you'll probably feel better. Overthinking. Overthinking sounds to me like an addiction almost, an obsession. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say that. And I, I, mean, yeah. I, would, I would definitely agree with that. Yes, you also see that way? That's obsession. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, and again, I start to sense what I think it's, it's, we are, yeah, we are basically programmed to overthink. We're addicted to thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's, I mean, I've read that. Yeah. I've read that, heard that many times that thinking is an addiction and, you know, and it's so true. So how do we, how do we deal with that? I'm not even saying stop it for, for good. I'm just saying, how do we deal with that? You know, yes. how do we have moments of respite? And don't get me wrong. I, it's fine to think rationally. Um, I'm all for thinking rationally. If you feel okay while you're doing it, my point is that when we're thinking rationally all the time, we tend to get down in the dumps and feel stressed out more than we would like. What you um, prescribing in a way is a life that's more enjoyable and healthier which is better than the opposite. Exactly. I mean, I, I would say just feel, feel good, not bad. Figure out a way to feel good, not bad as much as possible. Right, right. So let's talk about those methods and exercise that you suggest. So you have sections for them. The first one you call how to stop thinking through movement and noise. And you give some specific exercise. But talk to me about that method. How do we do that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so this is something that I've been interested in for a long time. Um, as I said, when I've noticed that when most people, when they don't, when they manage somehow to not think as rationally, to mm -hmm. quote unquote not think, even if it's just for like a minute or two, it's, it's a big thing. It, re it releases like a, t a ton of stress very quickly. And so the, the fastest way to do that that I have found is to become really physically active, especially if you can become playfully physically active to, to basically to stop being serious for just like a minute or two. You can stop being serious for longer, but if you can do it for even just a minute or two, and by that I mean like jump up and down, make crazy noises, um, twirl in circles, do anything that's like pretty much ridiculous physically with your body. If you do that, um, it's shocking. It can be shocking how quickly you can change your emotional state by physically um, being like fully playful for a short period of time. I love that, Tim. And this is something that became another obsession, physical exercise. Most people, they just get into, I think they are trying to relieve stress and yes. feel good, and then they get addicted to another thing. So it seems like they are trying to get rid of the overthinking or the negative thoughts, and then they engage in activities that also become an addiction. So it happened to me. That's a great point. That's a great point. It happens to everybody. You know, that's not... <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I would say so. So this is different. You're suggesting that we do things like just... To break the seriousness, this stiffness of the personality, the identity. Yeah, this is this is definitely. There's nothing exercise related that about this. This is you simply do this to feel better. And what's what I've noticed is that this is something we'll talk about. You know, some other recommendations I give, but actually being playful like this, even if it's just in short bursts. It's way out of most people's comfort zones. 
because it's like as an adult, mm-hmm. like we're not supposed to act this way pretty much ever. Um, and so it's, um, it's, it's radical, you know, like I call myself yeah, yeah. a radical counselor. Um, and that, and this is really, I mean, how I got into when I first used that term, it was in relation to, to this, because this is, this is, if you're doing these type of stress reduction, playful, physical actions, it's like way out of the box, but it, it can, it can be shocking. As I said, how it can make you feel. And as a, as like a spiritual practitioner, um, most people who do these things, who have like this kind of spiritual mindset are stunned by just the mind body connection and, and what they can see by loosening up their rational thought by jumping around <laughs> like a monkey for a minute. Huh. It's, it's, it's very, um, it's very powerful. <laughs> I like that. I, I would mm-hmm. recommend, I have a, I have a, a video seminar or, you know, just a, a short video series. Um, it's free. Just mm-hmm. go to stopbeingserious.com and it, it, you'll see it's, you know, it's, you'll see me talking and more importantly, you'll yeah. see me doing some of this stuff. So you'll know exactly what I mean when I say be playful, like use a funny voice, act ridiculous. And it's really simple and it's it's still, in my opinion, the best thing I've found for myself and, and the best general recommendation I have to share with people is do that when most other stuff fails for like reducing your stress, like this is pretty consistently effective for making you feel better um, quickly, um, you know, for changing your emotional state. I'm not going to say it's going to make you a totally happy person, like, but it's going to if you're down in the dumps, like a, a way to feel, you know, a lot less stressed quickly, this is, you know, if you can do this, it helps. Yeah. What I like about it too, it cannot become a pattern, something that's a habit because you're being creative. Yes. Like you said, just be creative, playful. It's all about it not being habitual. It's all, it's yeah. always getting out of that habitual box that we put ourselves in. Right. I love that. And then the next one, it's how to stop thinking through self-talk. Yeah, I mean, that's, so, you know, being really playful, like we were just talking about, is way out of the box. Talking out loud to yourself is still out there a little bit, but it's, like, much more accepted. Like, you can do this. If you're listening to this, let me tell you, you can do this. Um, It's funny how, you know, how we don't talk out loud to ourselves as much as we could. It's, I've just found it's really helpful to talk out loud to yourself because um, the inner voice in our head that tends to overthink things and stress us out can be quieted down if you talk out loud to yourself, if you speak out loud to yourself. So I just would I really encourage people to speak out loud to themselves in whatever way they like. Like you can be very angry with yourself. You can speak out loud to yourself angrily and be like, what the heck are you doing? You're being so annoying, you know, blah, blah. You know, and if you do that for even just a few minutes, you'll probably find yourself calming down. It's, it's bizarre, you know, let alone if you speak out loud to yourself in like a loving way where it's like, you know, like, I know you've had a long day and, you know, and you're speaking to your mind now, right? You're speaking to the, your, the voice in your head, you know, just, you know, you can calm your, calm your inner voice down by speaking gently using your outer, you know, your out loud voice. And you can speak, you know, you can speak in a hundred different ways to yourself out loud. But the point is you have to do it out loud. And yeah, I just think it's a great tool. Um, I might write a book about it eventually because I haven't read enough good books about speaking out loud. It's so obvious and we don't do it. Like you're using the senses too, bringing the senses into the present moment. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great mindfulness pre- becoming present exercise. Like I love to like speak out loud to myself when I take a walk, you know, because sometimes, you know, you can, you can feel a little bit stressed out. And so you decide to take a walk, for instance, and you're, you're still in your head, even though you're walking, you're like, oh, I, you know, True. and so like physiologically, you're moving, you're like, oh, I should be feeling better because I'm moving, but it's not enough. But if you just do that simple next step of speaking out loud to yourself, while you're walking. And again, it doesn't matter how you speak out loud to yourself, but if you're just honest with yourself and how you're feeling, you know, very quickly you can feel better. So I think it's the last one, how to stop thinking through indifference and stillness. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's more, you know, that's more traditional for, uh, for us, you know, non-duality type of folks, um, spiritual folks. That's more of like a meditation type of I, you could call it exercise, but I would also just say like perspective where 
I found that a good way that I like to, I guess you would call it meditate is just to, you know, sit down or lie down and physically relax, like just get as physically as comfortable as possible. So, you know, no posture, no breathing technique, none of that, just physically relax. I like to do it lying down in bed, but some people like to do it sitting down in like a, you know, a cushy chair or something like that. And then if you have time, this is not a fast exercise. This is something not to be rushed. But if you have time, if you have 10, 15, 20 minutes or longer, just physically sink into that relaxation like that that physical relaxation of being in that comfortable position and then just vibe out just the, the thoughts are there right and maybe you know you start having uncomfortable thoughts or you, you physically you don't feel as relaxed after 10 minutes and you're uncomfortable and you just don't care you're just indifferent you just let it pass and um this is really nice if you're Especially if like you are someone who's interested in meditation already and spiritually, you know, into this stuff, because you just notice how unimportant all the stuff is that's going through your mind and through your body. And um, often after a little bit of time, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes, like you just feel like that deeper part of you can come out. Yeah. And it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for what you do, Tim, but I'm not finished yet. So before I have you have some final questions, would you like to add anything that my questions didn't cover? No, I think we covered uh, a lot of stuff. I would just say that, you know, when in doubt, think less. And if you ever have any questions um, for me, uh, you, you know, my website is radicalcounselor.com. You can you know, find out how to contact me there or email me at info at radicalcounselor.com. And I will do my best to, you know, answer your questions if you have any. And yeah. How do you define success? What is to be successful to you? I think just to, to feel uh, content and to feel comfortable being who you are. And, and as to get back to what we touched upon earlier, just to, you know, have that sense of joy within you um, as, as much as you can. And also at the same time to, to be okay when you feel stressed out, <laughs> you know, to, to realize that it doesn't matter like you think it does. Mm. Um, and it's not a big deal. Right. That's success. Yeah. I love that, Tim, that you made the observation. That's okay too, if you are stressed. <laughs> it absolutely is. And what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in this relative reality? I think um, I'm still learning it. And at first, because there's there's nothing there's nothing to learn. Uh, if they, if hopefully if we made anything clear on this podcast, so there's nothing to learn. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I I think what is difficult um, on a practical level for us to learn, difficult for me to learn, is just how foolish our thinking can be, and our mind can be, and how we just get spun in circles, and we recognize maybe consciously that we shouldn't get spun in circles and yet we still feel like we are and the hardest lesson is accepting that and coming to peace with that and that's that can be a life's work and um it it gets in my experience it gets easier in many ways we we become more comfortable being ourselves. but the hardest lesson yeah i would say is is being comfortable being yourself Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I don't know. I think on a practical level, maybe I would, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't uh, maybe, uh, you know, plan for uh, being 65 years old if I knew I was going to die next week. But, uh, but no, but on like a deeper level, I don't think so. Not really. It doesn't It doesn't matter. <laughs> what are three things about life you know for sure uh well i don't know i mean i said the first one is i don't know anything um right. I, I would say you know again it, it comes back to there's this deep thing that we're keep on hitting on and that is unknowable that would be the first thing and then the last two things would be practical and the practical stuff is just it it, it doesn't matter it could be wrong um but I would say for sure, I would say that uh, I'd say for sure that people can, you can become more comfortable being yourself. And the other thing I know for sure on a practical level is that 
is that most people think too much. Yeah. But there's a footnote to the last two, which is that they're not true because nothing's true because we don't know anything. So <laughs> it's only, only the first one that matters. <laughs> Do you think there's a need for to have this state of, not a belief, but trust? Do you ever catch yourself like thinking this way? Yeah, you know, I, I trust that everything's well, that everything's fine. Do you ever use trust, faith or hope? Those words? That's a, that's a good question. I, I think that... Um, This is a weird answer, but I feel like that operates more unconsciously within us. Like our degree of faith or hope or trust is reflected in how we feel more than like on a conscious level. Like it doesn't like I can say like I'm trusting right now to myself, but I have to like feel it that it's more like an unconscious thing. And like when I feel stressed out or worried I'm not trusting as much and I can say I'm trusting then or affirm I'm trusting, but I have to step aside somehow. Like we're talking surrender to it. And, um, to do that on a practical level, I would probably, you know, do some of the things we're talking about. I would talk out loud to myself or, um, or physically get out of my body to realize the trust is already there. If I, you know, if, if, if my unconscious is, satisfied if i if i can align my conscious my conscious and unconscious like then i'll feel better um yeah that was a weird answer i'm sorry but yeah no i like that the way you connect the trust with this it's already there anyway so it's more connected to a feeling yes than uh, the thinking it's totally yeah Right, right. Hmm. So my final question, uh, you already mentioned before your website, but I'll ask again, where can we find more information about you, your work, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, my, my website, as I said, is radicalcounselor.com. That's where, that's the best place to contact me. And, you know, that has links to all of my stuff. Um, you can also, if you don't want to do that, you can just go on Amazon um, and search Tim Grimes, and you'll find me there. But yeah, go to RadicalCounselor.com. There's links to all my books. And uh, I'll be putting out something new, hopefully by the end of the year. And maybe I'll have some videos or something beforehand. Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim, for your presence and your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Tim Grimes, please visit his website, RadicalCounselor.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.